the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. It's Tim Albright with AV Nation with an AV Nation special, taking a look at RF and wireless. And with us to talk about that very thing, Andrew Kornstein, uh, Manager of Business Development for Sennheiser. Welcome, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely. And Joe Chaudelli. Uh, Joe is the Director of Spectrum and Innovation. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you. Thanks again. Absolutely. So RF is one of those areas, uh, I have had a, a dear friend refer to it as the black magic of AV. Right. Uh, it's something that we all use, but very few of us know uh, about, um, you know, about it, at least in detail. Uh, Joe, as the director of Spectrum, uh, I'm going to start with you on this government, obviously, especially here in the States, but uh, also other um, uh, governments outside the U.S. cell carriers. They have been kind of moving in and encroaching on RF for, quite frankly, decades. Uh, so what is kind of the current state of wireless uh, for installed and also live events RF? Yes, thank you, Tim. There certainly has been a lot of changes over the past decade. And um, traditionally, professional wireless microphones um, operate in vacant, unused UHF TV channels. And however, um, the... Uh, the traditional UHF TV uh, frequency band has been consolidated. Uh, and basically the upper part of it has been repurposed to the um, uh, mobile broadband uh, cell phone um, providers, cell phone service providers. So this has meant less vacant UHF TV channels for, for operation of wireless mics. Now, um, uh, however, uh, the industry was successful at working with the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, on, um, on several fronts to at least partially compensate for the loss of some of the uh, TV channels that uh, wireless mics traditionally operated in. Wireless microphones can still operate in unused TV, band, uh, TV channels from 470 to 608 megahertz. And, um, you know, most areas of the country have uh, like two, three, four, or even four uh, vacant channels within this range. So uh, you can still re very reliably operate wireless mics within locally vacant uh, white space channels and um but also it's important to note that um the fcc did um in their in one of their recent rulings they made a clear distinction between unlicensed mic operators and licensed mic operators and um kind of a an important thing to uh think about is if you are eligible for to be a licensed mic operator, you should certainly consider it because it gives you rights and privileges um, that will uh, give you even greater protection for when you're uh, operating in a 
professional environment. Andrew, uh, Joe mentioned there's uh, quite a shrinking of the of the spectrum here. How does the EWDX line uh, and, and the equidistant grid work to, to solve some of those problems with it, with RF? Right. So we've obviously had to come up with some new innovations in order to, to combat this shrinking usable spectrum that we have. And the equidistant grid is, is uh, what we've been able to do with the EWDX. So let's talk about some of the traditional wireless systems. We were always dealing with intermodulation. Um, and what intermodulation uh, basically is, is it's additional uh, frequencies or uh, RF energy at certain frequencies that are created as a result of two or more transmitters. So for example, let's just say I was operating one microphone at 500 megahertz, another one at 501 megahertz. Uh, with intermodulation, I would actually get some RF energy at 502 megahertz and 499 megahertz, so below it and above it. Um, what, what that caused us to do was to have to navigate around those intermodulation products. Um, and what that does, once you start getting into more than two microphones, three microphones, 10 microphones, 20 microphones in one venue perhaps, um, it really takes a lot of spectrum real estate. Uh, by having to navigate around these. With the equidistant grid and the EWDX, we've actually been able to uh, get rid of intermodulation uh, in general. So we're actually able to evenly space our frequencies uh, in about 300 to 400 kilohertz steps in our link density mode. Um, what, what that can do is give us uh, hundreds of, of channels potentially uh, to be able to use inside of the small UHF spectrum because we don't have to navigate around this intermodulation like we used to with some other traditional wireless systems. So Joe, how exactly, and I'm not asking you to give me, you know, the patent data, but, but how exactly does this, <laughs> does this work, uh, you know, when, when we're on site uh, or we're, when we're setting up? Well, it certainly makes setup a lot e easier because you don't have to calculate all the potential intermodulation products. Uh, and, you know, uh, as Andrew uh, stated, uh, it really um, provides for excellent spectral efficiency and uh, the ability to pack many mics within a small slice of, of spectrum. And the way it, it works is um, by using highly linear electronic designs. You can think of it this way. Intermodulation is harmonic distortion. And you know, just like how you listen to loud music um, and you get a ringing in your ear, yep. that's actually a, a type of intermodulation. It's two or more frequencies, in this case, audio frequencies, that are exposed to your ear. And if they exceed a certain uh, volume, that's when uh, harmonic distortion happens within your ear. Now imagine if um, you had an ear that no matter how high you turn up the, the volume, you don't get that ringing. I think the teenager next door thinks he ha has that. But, um, but basically that's, that's what we do is, is we create uh, designs that even though um, potential RF signals are very high, um, 
it never pushes the, the transmitters and receivers into a nonlinear mode so that they can just, um, they basically avoid creating intermodulation products. So uh, for those of you who are wondering, Joe just made a frequency joke uh, because younger people can hear uh, typically higher frequencies. Uh, as we all get older, we lose that 20,000 uh, hertz uh, spectrum. So um, at least this part of we did. I don't know if you, if you, if you guys can still hear the 20,000. As a former tech manager and event uh, tech, uh, one of the most common issues with, uh, with events uh, or microphones in general really is when you have two different speakers, uh, or what they call the mic handoff. You've got a very loud talker and then a very quiet talker. Um, Andrew, how does how does the EWDX solve this issue? You had mentioned events. It's not it's not even just events. We see this in uh, education, uh, higher education uh, scenarios, uh, convention centers, uh, corporate scenarios uh, as well. Um, the EWDX, and I'll, I'll let Joe explain some of the technicals behind it, but we're actually, um, the specifications say that the RF transmission boasts 134 dB of dynamic range on the RF transmission side. Now, just for reference, 134 dB of dynamic range is about, a, uh, I was looking this up earlier, um, it's similar to a jet engine about 200 feet away. So if you're seeing a jet engine take off on the runway and you're right there on the tarmac with it, that's that's going to be about 134 dB. Um, any other wireless, the, D, the RF transmission would distort at that sort of loudness and the EWDX doesn't. So what does this mean in a day-to-day -day situation? Uh, I can take a microphone, I can scream into it and the RF transmission is gonna handle it just as fine as if I'm whispering into it. Um, this is actually another real world scenario would be switching capsules out. Uh, so if you put a dynamic capsule on a handheld versus a, a, a Neumann condenser uh, capsule on, on a handheld, those are both going to have different sensitivities. Um, and what that means in an event scenario or perhaps a classroom scenario, somebody has got to get to that microphone and make an adjustment at the microphone side to the optimal sensitivity level. Well, we've eliminated that variable altogether. So it just means that the technicians or the support team does not have to uh, touch the microphone in that sort of a scenario. So really allows for a lot more stable uh, and hassle-free operation. All right, Joe. Uh, Andrew said you'd explain how it works. So how does this work? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let Joe uh, get into that part. <laughs> Well, um, certainly we have to give kudos to our development engineers who spent a lot of time with the battery and current management within the electronic circuit. Okay. And basically it's um, uh, when there is a, a very loud talk, you, you, you want that high headroom um, and you get that from uh, basically uh, drawing more current and um, but you want to do it without, you know, fast draining your battery. So uh, basically, they spent a lot of time in the uh, the current design of every um, uh, every stage of the transmitter, so that when the audio portion of the transmitter needs that current, it has it. Uh, so I, I really have to give um, them a lot of credit for their their 
management and low current uh, design. Also, um, it's uh, uh, noted that uh, um, another trick that that's, uh, is done is basically by putting a, um, uh, a transistor in a negative feedback loop with, with the capsule so that if you have someone who really belts out, it basically um, uh, prevents distortion right at the microphone level, oh, wow. even before it gets into the audio stage uh, uh, and then the RF stage within the transmitter. One of the aspects of, of uh, the, uh, the EWDX uh, line is being able to connect to it remotely and adjust and, and, and monitor. Uh, Andrew, uh, what are some of the benefits of, of remote management? Yeah, so remote management is a big topic when we start uh, talking to our corporate customers and our higher education customers, as well as on the event side. Um, but the EWDX is fully compatible with our control cockpit platform, okay. uh, as well as the wireless systems manager uh, platform. Um, and we have open APIs to be able to use this with any any other third-party control system. Uh, so if, for example, if you did want to put the battery status readout on a touch panel uh, at, a, at a lectern, perhaps, we would be able to do that, or mute status, perhaps, uh, we could do that. With the control cockpit software, this is really designed for a support team or a help desk at a university or, or a large corporation to be able to troubleshoot issues or anticipate issues before they become major issues. So for example, you could get an alert that says, uh, hey, the microphone in room number 105 has less than two hours of battery life. You yeah. should go change it. Yeah. Um, so we're able to do that with the control, uh, with the controllability that we have with EWDX. This is the same APIs and the same controllability that we have on our very popular SpeechLine Digital Wireless, our Team Connect Ceiling 2, and some of our other systems as well. These have been very popular in the past few years. So with, with that API, then you can really tie that into any sort of, you know, obviously your guys' um, dashboard, but also any other sort of any other management software that like let's say an IT department would have. Yeah, absolutely. Gentlemen, as we wrap up here, Joe, we'll start on with you. Uh, look ahead and, and tell me what you see coming down the pipeline for the, uh, the EWDX line. Yeah, thank you, Tim. The EWDX is available in the traditional UHF TV band from 470 to 608 megahertz. That is going to serve the vast majority of users and applications. Um, but uh, if you're running a very large configuration in your theater or your campus or, or your, uh, your stadium, um, uh, the EWDX will be offered in alternative bands that we were successful at um, having the FCC open for um, licensed wireless microphone operators. And that's an important distinction. You have to be licensed to use these alternate bands. Uh, um, one of the bands is 941.5 to 960 megahertz. And uh, this is a very good uh, uh, band and uh, very uh, clean spectrum. And uh, you do need to do some coordination with the other um, services within the band, which are um, mainly studio transmission links 
used by broadcasters, but uh, you can do that uh, through the, um, by studying the FCC database or contacting the Society of Broadcast Engineers. Uh, and then if you're doing very big configurations for, you know, a mega event, uh, you can also operate in the 1435 to 1525 megahertz band. And uh, you do have to uh, do some uh, uh, coordination with a, a agency called AFTRAC because that band is also used for flight testing. Um, but uh, uh, you would do your coordination with, with, with AFTRAC and, um, and that is exceptionally clean spectrum. And so this is very useful for the wireless microphone power users. So we'll be offering the EWDX in these two alternative frequency bands in the future. Thank you. Uh, Joe, you mentioned special licensing. So give people kind of a, a quick cursor on what are the criteria uh, and, and how they get some of those licenses. Sure. So the FCC basically um, uh, segments wireless micro operation into two categories, licensed and unlicensed. You know, most um, operators are operating in an unlicensed uh, fashion. But if you are eligible for a license, it's a, uh, you should take advantage of that. And to be eligible for a license, you either need to be a broadcaster uh, or a motion operator or someone who makes content for broadcast. Or uh, if you're a theater or a sound company that routinely uses 50 wireless mics or more, then you're also eligible uh, to be a, a uh, licensed mic operator. And uh, it's noteworthy that actually we're, we've been working with the commission to actually expand license eligibility even more so that, uh, you know, bona fide professional theaters that aren't using you know, 50 wireless microphones can still have the protections and the privileges of a licensed uh, operator. So licensed operation uh, gives you uh, several advantages. First, you have access to additional frequency bands outside the traditional um, TV band spectrum. Um, you also have, um, you also have uh, priority over any unlicensed uh, user or, or device, you know, whether it's a wireless microphone or uh, some of these new white space devices that are starting to enter the market. And you can actually um, reserve uh, TV channels uh, for your production that will block out uh, white space devices from operating in those channels during your event. So it's a big advantage. So uh, if you are eligible for a license, it's highly recom recommended to apply for it. And it's, uh, uh, it's uh, not the easiest process. It's kind of like a, sure. a tax return to do, but, um, but actually your license is good for 10 years and it costs a couple hundred bucks. So it's worth it. Now, Joe, um, I am curious for myself, does this apply to uh, higher ed campuses or corporate campuses where they may not have 50 in one room, but, you know, two in one, two in each room times 200? Basically, within your facility, 
Um, if in total you're using 50 or more mics, you have reached that threshold. And remember, you know, uh, like ear monitor systems, that counts as, as a, a mic. Intercom channels counts as, as, as a mic. So, you know, if that 50 threshold is, is uh, you know, if you're in a, in a, like, let's say a college campus, you, you can quickly exceed that. But, but also, if your campus is doing any broadcast, um, any broadcasting uh, whatsoever, you know, you're eligible just for being a broadcaster. Oh yeah, I work with college campuses that have two, three, 400 channels of wireless. That adds up very quick. Very cool. Andrew, same kind of question. Uh, what, what do you see coming down for uh, EWDX? Yeah, so the current release right now is the two channel and a half rack variant. Um, though it is digital transmission, the output on this one is analog. Um, however, uh, very soon we'll have a Dante variant uh, as well. So this will be analog plus Dante. Um, also, we will be coming out very soon with a networkable charger. I was talking about the um, I was talking about the the controllability of it. Well, you would actually be able to check the battery status, uh, whether or not uh, systems are docked at the end of the night, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so that's coming very soon. Power over PoE, which I'm very excited about with the charger. So that's just one plug that charges your battery. So fantastic for the uh, for the corporate and the higher ed installations. Um, also, later on in 2023, we'll have a quad receiver. So that'll be four receivers in one RU, um, and that'll have cascadable antennas. So you'll be able to actually have uh, quite a few channels without having any type of uh, antenna distribution with that. Uh, so that's coming as well as, I'm also very excited about this, a gooseneck transmitter. Uh, so that's coming in in uh, 2023 as well. Um, all of these are updated on our website. If you go to Sennheiser.com slash EWDX, uh, it's actually EW-DX, um, then you'll be able to uh, see the updates on, on when things are going to uh, start shipping, as well as a lot of the detailed tech specs uh, with this system. Very cool. And we'll put a link to that on uh, on this episode's page as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Andrew Kornstein, uh, Manager of Business Development for Sennheiser. And Joe uh, Chowdelli, uh, Director of Spectrum and Innovation. Thank you both so much. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. All right. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Find more specials like this on there and more. All that and more at avnation.tv.